Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Noise in Brief, PRE UK's fortnightly podcast series, where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm John Harrington, editor of PRE UK. I'm joined today by reporters Eliza Radu and Evie Barrett. Hi to you both. Hello. Before we get stuck in, I want to give a little plug to some upcoming PRE conferences. We have PRE's Pharmacoms conference on 21st of March. And on the 8th and 9th of May, we host our huge PR360 conference in Brighton, which is, you know, great fun and a lot of interesting stuff to be to be gleaned. Details of all our events in 2024 can be found at PRWeek.com. So book your place today. OK, we're going to start by looking at recent trading results from the big holding companies and in particular, of course, on their PR divisions. Now, I promise I won't overload you with data. I recommend looking at the articles on PR Week. There's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of information here. But very briefly, I'm going to start with Edelman. Obviously, Edelman, unlike the others, is a private company. But nevertheless, last week, the agency announced that its global revenue slid 3.7% in 2023, largely due to a fall in the US. More positively, the UK grew 3.6%. FDI Consulting Strategic Comms Arm grew 19.6% in Q4 and 14.8% in the full year. So fast growth there. Meanwhile, WPP's PR division recovered in the fourth quarter, end of the year with revenue up 1.4% like for like. Omnicom had a more difficult Q4 and IPG saw mid-single digit growth in Q4 and in the year overall. Hopefully that's not too much data to throw at you, but uh, I do think it's important context. So let's get into it. Evie and Eliza, firstly, what stood out for you most from these recent rounds of results. Using the Edelman example, um, I think that the fact the UK seems to be pulling ahead of the US in terms of business growth is quite promising. It does feel like our industry is proving its worth over here, despite the US obviously being such a key player. 
The US market for PR is much larger than the UK, which means if there's a downturn for the US, it would affect all markets. So it was quite surprising to me that they were doing quite okay in the UK. Mm, Definitely. I'd also say it's hard not to be impressed by FTI's growth among all the negativity. I think it really shows how integral corporate comms was over consumer PR last year. Businesses were being scrutinised more than ever, and we certainly saw a lot of crises. So it makes sense that a lot of the big players put their budgets into resolving those. So sectors such as tech, healthcare and financial services were predicted to succeed two years ago, but have seen quite a few budget cuts made by their clients, which is quite interesting to watch. People do seem more optimistic for this year, which maybe at the start of the year, that's always the case. But it does feel like things are on the up with a slight air of caution. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting point, isn't it? And we've all had conversations with people from agencies in, in recent weeks and you know, quite a lot of the time I'm asked, I'm sure you guys are asked as well, you know, what are people saying out there? Um, And I sort of agree with that sense that there is more optimism now. The back end of last year, maybe the sort of third quarter particularly, I think there was a sense of trepidation among a lot of agency bosses. I think, you know, people were saying to me they were pitching for more things they wouldn't usually pitch for because they really wanted to get, get over the line in terms of their own targets. And it was a pretty fraught period. But I sort of think that maybe in the, the back end, of the fourth quarter of last year, and this is what we saw actually with WPP and their PR division, it sort of it grew reasonably strongly or relatively strongly in the fourth quarter last year. Um, and I certainly think we're, we're seeing some of that sort of this year so far, really. Quite a lot of agencies say there's a lot of work out there. They're, they're pitching a lot. But as you say, there are concerning elements too. I mean, you know, one thing we've spoken a lot about on this podcast and in PR Week is kind of margin uh, and profitability. And with inflation still being relatively high, although nowhere near as high as it was, that's definitely something we need to bear in mind. And interestingly, you know, the figures we've spoken about so far have been very much kind of top line figures. But there's also been a dip in margin for the big groups. WPP's PR division um, saw a slight dip in its uh, operating profit margin, for example. Uh, and I think pretty much all of them are in are in the same boat there. So that's still a big concern. But I do agree. I mean, people seem less downbeat, I would say, than they were certainly for quite a lot of last year. What do you think? I've been hearing mixed opinions about trading in the PR industry at the moment. While some firms are struggling, others have had a really good start to the year. But like this isn't new information to anyone. So budget cuts have been the biggest impact, just like last year. We're seeing clients reach out to small, specialised agencies and these agencies are likely to be taking the work for smaller fees. Yeah, I've heard similar. I think those smaller agencies, like you say, are definitely seeing the benefits of being more agile, particularly in the consumer space. Um, I found that like those newer agencies that were founded by people who are ex-big agency seem to be doing well. And it's probably because clients who are having to reduce their budgets can go from a sort of big, well-known agency to one of these smaller, newer agencies, which may have been founded by someone who used to work at their previous agency, it means they're getting sort of a similar creative approach to comms at a much lower rate. I think the people from those bigger or mid-sized agencies might sort of say they have the scope to do things that those smaller new agencies don't have. And certainly when it comes to things like content creation and sort of budgets to invest in things and, you know, maybe investment in things like AI. Sorry to uh, mention again the thing that we're all talking about, but there it is. And sort of other creative avenues. I know what you mean, and I can understand why they might say that, and there's probably an element of truth in it. But I don't know. I also think that sort of scale does matter a little bit with these things. And sort of those resources can, can also have an impact. But, you know, there's no right or wrong. There are obviously advantages and disadvantages of 
going with different types of agencies, but it's interesting dynamic, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I think, like you say, it's kind of benefits to both, which is obviously good because it means that not everyone's going for the same agencies. But yeah, pitching seems to be a big focus for a lot of people and it seems there's a significant amount of it going on. Was there any other trends that you heard about it, Eliza? It seems like word of mouth referrals to pitchings are becoming more prominent because clients are looking for agencies they know that can deliver. Also, there's a trend of campaign projects turning into retained brief, which is expected to be more common this year. Yeah, I've heard of that. I think it's kind of an easy way to test the waters with a new agency and see what they can deliver before making a longer term commitment. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that that's happening? I mean, I did a predictions piece for the UK Top 150 Consultancies project, which is coming out in May. And one of the things I predicted about that was that we would have seen an increase in project work in 2023 because client budgets uh, are a bit tougher and, you know, they want to sort of try things out, not necessarily commit to as many retained briefs. It would be nice to see a situation where some of those agencies brought on for projects, if they've sort of delivered what they, they were expected to deliver, you know, end up getting some sort of solid retainers as a result of that. I mean, that would be a really positive trend. And um, fingers crossed, that's something that, that we'll see throughout this year. Thank you for that. Next up, we'll be talking about the big trends in PR recruitment. But first, a message from our partners. Want to know what makes the biggest brands in the world tick? Check out Performance Marketing Unlocked. It's the podcast from PMW, sister title to Campaign Magazine, and it delves deeper into the performance side of marketing and finds out what really drives the leads, clicks and sales behind some of the biggest brands in the world. From social media and AI to CTV and the Super Bowl, we catch up with the biggest news of the week and speak to guests from the top of the industry and at the heart of its biggest issues. Make sure to check us out at performancemarketingworld.com and follow to keep up to date with the latest Performance Marketing Unlocked episodes. This month, PR Week has been publishing results of its recruitment report, which finds a number of things about the state of the recruitment market in PR. I urge you to take a look at it. All the articles are exclusive to PR Week knowledge subscribers. Um, Again, I'm not going to drown you in statistics, but one headline stat is that last year saw the number of new jobs advertised in PR drop by around one third. This situation is obviously linked to trading conditions last year, um, as we discuss. But let's talk about recruitment. I mean, what, what are you both hearing about it? I mean, do you think this reduction in the number of job ads is, is across the board or some roles still much more in demand? Has the situation changed so far in 2024, do you think? Or do you, do you think it's, it's too early to say? What do you think? It seems like agencies are wanting to hire mid-level, which I believe has been the case for a while, particularly account managers being in demand. But From the data, it looks like these agencies aren't increasing the salaries at this level to reflect the demand, which, I mean, compared to the pay rises that we've seen for senior roles, there's been more of a jump there, particularly at the very top. So it's interesting that though they need people in these roles, they're not kind of hiking up the wages to reflect that. I I can't work out why. I've heard people mention a potential skill gap in those mid-ranking levels due to the pandemic and COVID. Mm. It could be also that account managers and directors were overpaid due to the cost of a living crisis. So there's less wiggle room to increase their wages now. 
Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. I think this was a really big trend, wasn't it, during the um the sort of peak of the sort of Great Resignation during the time of the COVID bounce, where a lot of people were moving around and some PR employers were paying, you know, very, very uh, hefty wages. And I really think that there's a big aversion to that now. It strikes me that there are going to be some sort of specific roles that agencies are still paying decent amounts for. But I think they're probably loath to sort of have too many big pay rises for those roles that are sort of the kind of bread and butter foot soldiers who are you know absolutely crucial to the industry but you know you can't really justify sort of increasing your your wage bill that high having said that i think and this probably comes out in the data actually that the kind of most junior roles i think we saw a sort of a, a wage hike in those during the cost of living crisis sort of slightly combined with the great resignation and i think that's absolutely right and i could imagine that there won't be much of a decline in those for obvious reasons that you know if you're in london there is probably a sort of base level under which you don't really want to go if you want to have a sort of sustainable workforce particularly given the cost of rents and generally living in the capital let's face it um not only london incidentally but i think it's sort of more prevalent here than anywhere so i do think there's probably less as you say sort of wiggle room for those most junior roles so they're probably thinking you know where can we sort of be a bit less keen when it comes to putting up wages and I guess agencies are just sort of finding out where where that is while also balancing that with making sure they've got the right number of staff and the right skills so constant balancing act. It's a good point and actually um, one senior person in the industry who I spoke to a little while ago thought that things were kind of going to naturally progress in this way anyway, in the sense that agencies might start to form more of an hourglass shape in terms of their employee setup rather than the traditional pyramid. So for smaller agencies in particular, they said that there'll be maybe a lot of junior staff, then quite a tight waist around the account director level, and then a larger number of senior staff again. But they said this was more potentially because of AI than staff shortages. I mean, I guess, you know, we also need to take into account when we talk about recruitment ads, the fact that there were a lot of redundancies yeah. last year. Yeah. And I think if you're an agency that was making redundancies, it's pretty unlikely you're going to have a big recruitment program going on. And yes, I, I know that you'll be making some appointments to specific roles, but it definitely makes things a bit complicated on that point. So yeah, that's it's a really interesting one. And the point about AI and the point about kind of needing to bring in these sort of really skilled experts is, is a really good one. And I kind of get the impression that the sort of the hourglass shape that you say is probably an ideal in the sense that it's going to mean you're going to have a lot of junior people who presumably will be on, on lower salaries Um kind of doing a lot of work. I mean, the danger is that you get too many junior people and actually they don't have enough guidance and the people at the very top, they're either so specialist that they haven't really done the bread and butter stuff in a while or at all. You know, you kind of can't ignore mm. the middle in a way. And I sort of, I, I would sort of caution against too much of that thinking instinctively because, you know, really to some extent, I kind of feel that the kind of account director, account manager type roles are the sort of the people who keep this industry going in uh, in many ways, but whatever whatever works for for agencies, it's definitely a, a challenging time for it. Okay, I want to end on a creative note. It feels like we're having a golden age of brand collaborations, and we saw many in 2023 from Heinz and Absolute Vodka to Barbie and every brand on the planet. Um, they keep coming. Evie, can you tell us about some recent collaborations you've seen that are out there and, and what you think of them? Yeah, they do keep coming. I think they're a good way to gain attention. The main development that I've noticed more in kind of recent months, though, is that people want a collaboration that makes sense rather than being done for shock value. 
A good example of that change would be where Subway and Cream Egg did a collaboration last Easter where, as you might accept, Subway was serving Cream Egg sandwiches. Um, This year, Cream Egg's working with Domino's instead to make cookies. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot more appealing to me. And I've seen people that I know posting on social media about the Domino's Cream Egg cookies. I imagine they'd sell quite well, unlike the Subway collaboration, which mainly got people interested because I think they're a bit repulsed by it. Yeah, I'm not sure about Domino's cream egg cookies. Um, I don't quite know what to do with those words put together like that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It makes me think of one that seems to do quite well last year was the sort of the absolute vodka and Heinz one that I mentioned. And actually, I think that's in the realms of oh, yeah. that could be interesting. You know, I don't know what it is about the idea of pasta sauce and vodka, but I'm, I'm here for it. Anyway, um, Eliza, what do you think? What sort of caught your attention? I think uh, sensational brand collaborations always do well as the ones that you can like be present with and experience. Last year, uh, Barbie fans had the opportunity to stay in Ken's bedroom located in Barbie's dream house in California. I think this was a really clever move because it allowed people to experience a small part of Barbie's life, turning them into Barbie or Ken dolls. It's not something you can do every day. And in 2017, Airbnb did something similar with Lego, which I think also did really well. Hmm. I think you're right in that a collaboration doesn't always have to be a product. It can be an experience or something kind of broader. Uh, Another recent example that comes to mind is um, the beauty brand Charlotte Tilbury working with the Formula One Academy. Um, That seemed to do quite well. It appeared in our Creative Hits column last week. And the author called it Unexpected Without Being Random, which I think is spot on. They're not two names that you'd traditionally put together, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about how Formula One is trying to encourage more women into motorsports. And it feels like an authentic partnership. Yeah, I agree. I think that was an interesting one and quite a good one, really. I always think back to the Greg's Primark. That It felt like that kickst... I mean, I might be wrong, but it felt like that kickstarted this trend in the last couple of years. Just got people really interested in both brands. I'm starting to wonder whether the key to a good brand collaboration is to collaborate with a brand that's almost on the same level. And I don't mean in the same industry or, you know, in any way connected necessarily, but the same level of luxury or uh, mainstream or whatever it might be. Yeah, you need people to be interested in both brands, kind of have a bit of a shared audience for it to actually work. Or you go the other way and you make them really extreme in that sense. And then that gets a lot of people talking about it because it's just so quirky and weird. So yeah, maybe there's no secret formula but one for the creative prowess of our industry that is no doubt growing and uh, and is on to this so great stuff that's all the time we have for for this episode noise and brief goes live every two weeks we'll look out for our longer interview-based podcast beyond the noise which comes out next week thank you to eliza and to evie for your insights do check out prweek.com for all the latest news and all our great events too that are coming up in 2024 Before I go, I'm going to plug two fantastic award schemes. 30 Under 30 are on your search for the Young Stars of UKPR and the Purpose Awards, which recognises the best purpose-led campaigns, agencies and in-house teams. So enter both now. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave a review, please, wherever you access PR Week's Noise and Brief podcast. Okay, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.